0: Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It is always a good time whenever we are joined by a contributor to Cracked Rackets, writer for Last Word on Tennis, and noted, tennis Twitter personality. And that's right. I called him a personality. Of course, I am referring to David Gertler, who joins us once again, not only to break down the last week of Challenger action, to talk about Dominic Stricker's maiden Challenger title, to talk about the continued ascension of Zizou Berg's, but also to talk about the action in Miami. He is as big of a Sarah Cerebez Tormo fan as you are going to find. I've been looking for a fellow SST fanatic to talk a little bit about her last 52 weeks of action since the restart, she's now 28 and 11, and has been fantastic. A title, a semifinal, quarterfinals in Miami. Her last three results. We talk about her play. We talk about some of the other youngsters who have had success, Korda or Schwartzman. Uh, we talk about Rusevori. We talk about the conditions in Miami, uh, and then of course we talk about all the challenger action and this weekend of challenger action ahead of us. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out, week in, week out, cover all of this action here on The Great Shot Podcast because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family. You guys might get sick of hearing me say that on every Crack Rackets podcast, but it's sincerely the truth. Without you guys listening every day, without you guys supporting our work on Patreon, we wouldn't be able to do any of the things that we do. So uh, to all of you, please, we again, we are so grateful. Please continue to listen, like, rate, subscribe, review all of our shows, The Mini Break, The Cracked Interview. Podcast. If you want to hear more about the action in Miami specifically, I've covered every day on the mini break podcast. If you've missed anything, you can catch up on that feed. But of course, the reason we we're able to do things here at the Great Shot Podcast also because of the support we get from our friends at Turner Grip. It is the tackiest, it is the stickiest, whatever adjective you would like to use. Its performance in hot and humid conditions, simply put, unmatched. And you know that iconic bluish, purplish hue uh, that. Can can be seen on rackets of hundreds of touring pros today. Turner Grip is just synonymous with tennis grips everywhere. If you want your team, your club, or just personally would like to join the Turner Grip family you can contact them at sales at or call 800-554-3707 you tell them Cracked Rackets sent you not only will you get some free samples but they'll treat you like family because that's what they do to their family and of course we are so appreciative of their support again to contact our friends at Turner Grip, go to sales at uniquesports.com. That's an email. You can email them at or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get to my conversation with the one and only David Gertler. Joining us on the podcast once again this week, you may know him as a writer on our website, crackrackets.com. You may know his work from Last Word on Tennis. You may know his All About Tennis blog. I know him as my friend David Gertler. David, welcome back to the show. It was a rough Monday, or a rough Tuesday, I should say, for you. Our Wolverines heartbreaking loss to UCLA. Your guy, Diego Schwartzman, heartbreaking loss to Sebastian Corda. Uh, you were I right don't... on that one. Huh? I see that. <laughs> yeah and i don't mean to rub this in but i mean to say i offer you this podcast as a spot for therapy if you have any thoughts you want to get off your chest my friend obviously the floor is yours but welcome back to the show how are you doing
1: well thanks for having me i'm not do- honestly i'm not doing that well uh i mean i barely slept last night the uh the i after the game, I just kind of stared into space for a while. Uh, it, it was really – I kept, I keep replaying the end in my mind. And then today, of course, the Pelicans had a big controversy, which uh, which was – it's a mess. Um, But luckily, you know, I guess there's a, tennis is always a mess. So I'm always kind <laughs> of uh, – I guess yeah, I'm just used to it from the, the tennis side.
0: No, I kept waiting for the tweet uh, from you saying, you guys can get excited about Sinner. You guys can get excited about Roussevori. I'm excited about Dominic Stricker, like the young junior French Open champion who won a challenger in Lugano this past week. We're going to talk about that, obviously. But look, I I think – well, I guess the question is if you could have one, Diego wins the match over Corda or Michigan makes one of the seven threes they foolishly took at the end of that game instead of going to the rack when you have eight fouls on the other team and you're down two and all you need to do is draw a foul to even the game potentially, which one do you take back? Do you want the Michigan Uh, win or the Schwartzman win?
1: I don't even have to think about this for one second. I would, I would give, I would, I would give up a lot for Michigan to win. Which (laughs) is to win. I would give up probably, I'd give up a pinky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was the correct answer, uh, just to be clear. And you know, the thing that makes me, I don't know if this makes me jaded, if this makes me sad, if this actually means I am truly uh, a professional at what I'm doing now and tennis has become my job. The only thing in the sporting world that like visibly will get me angsty, where if you're watching me during a match, you will be like, there's something wrong with this person is Michigan tennis. Like, Michigan tennis is the only thing that can drive me to insanity anymore. Although, some of those threes at the end of the game last night came close. You're just like, all I can say is, I was screaming, just like, give the ball to dick. I don't care if he misses 17 more little turnaround hook shots. They're open for him every time.
1: Else you would have, like, a little hotter from the field. Uh, not, not, uh not uh france it should have been like a Chandy brown type um and of course what made it worse was that on monday at work i was uh talking a lot of crap and saying <laughs> i'm already looking forward to once we beat gonzaga when we're in the final hopefully we get to fight houston you know that type of stuff <laughs> no that's never good. ends Let's be well clear.
0: Yeah, and of course, let's be clear. We did it uh, without Isaiah Livers, which would have been the guy guarding Juzak last night. Like, that would have been the man on him. And then when he got two fouls, you throw Franz on him. But, like, yeah, it was t- it was just like the the two minutes we played down the home stretch of that second half without Sean D. Brown, he got subbed out for, like, a two-minute stretch. And it was just like, why? Why? Leave him in. He's clearly the hottest man on our team. Balls of deal. Like, just leave the man in. Let him play. I mean, look, let's be clear. Juwan Howard has forgotten more about basketball than I will ever know. Juwan Howard at the the head of the Michigan program, for as long as we keep him, I'm going to be a happy camper. If we can even get three more years before some NBA team swoops him up, that would be great. But I guess I'm just trying to say I feel your pain, brother. Like, absolutely. It was... It was tough. I don't know. Any any final thought? I mean, you, you mentioned the Schwartzman match. We're going to focus on the challengers, I suppose. I want to give you a couple minutes of catharticism on Miami as well. I feel like it probably helped that it was Sebastian Corda, who we did a next-gen pod yeah. on, who had so much challenger success over the past few seasons beating Schwartzman. But between him, Rusevori, Yannick Sinner, the, the speed of these courts in Miami, which I feel like have been properly slowed down to your taste. What have your—you been know, the Osaka loss today, obviously, as well. Just curious if you had any thoughts on Miami you wanted to share.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I was a little—I'll tell you why I was so surprised about Diego. So I thought that he was playing great tennis. You know, he, played, he he really put a beat down on a, what can be a tricky opponent, in Arena. And I know that I sometimes call a ton of players tricky, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, Arena is black game. Um, I really do think is one of the trickier ones on tour. Um, and you know, Diego. Especially on like a hard court, and Diego, you know, served. I think it was like eighty-one percent of his first serve points he won. Um, so I was really kind of expe- I expected him to get Corda when Corda played Karatsev, who didn't enjoy the conditions in Miami at all. Um, there was a lot of short points, and I thought that Schwartzman would lengthen at the points and really beat him from the baseline. But Corda did a great job. Uh, really holding that baseline, uh, holding control of that baseline, which is actually something that Stricker also did a great job. Once we get to the challenger, challenger of, um, so I thought that Stricker and Corder uh, both have done a great job recently on of uh, really controlling that baseline and forcing Diego and Stricker's opponents in Lugano to really be on the defensive more than they want to be. Um, in terms of Osaka. You know, she has that long winning streak, but she skipped the clay season, which is her weakest weakest surface. So for me, you know, it's a really impressive, it, w- it was a really impressive winning streak, but I don't necessarily think it's totally representative of maybe what it seems like on the surface. Uh, the slower courts in um, in uh, Miami didn't suit her game perfectly. It's hot, it's humid out. It looked like uh Bublik and sinner were uh went on a ran a marathon they everyone yeah. with mevedev and tiapo yesterday too it It felt like it everyone's sweating so much you know it's it, it's a tough it's tough to play in the humidity and heat if you haven't of like the southern United States if you haven't played in it a bunch and trained in it mm
0: hmm No, I I agree with all of the points you've made. And, you know, just wait till we get to the Dimitar Kuzmanov section of this podcast. Talk about a tricky player. Like, I promise you the word tricky is going to come up then. But, you know, to your points about Miami, and I think you tweeted this out during the week. It was, what, the first time Chilch had won three matches consecutively since 2019. Like, these slow courts... We're helping out either, A, guys who thrive on a clay court. Uh, You know, we saw Daniel Galan make a run. His ability Mm -hmm. to find forehands is just exceptional. Reminds me a lot of Kyle Edmund. Just, again, when Galan gets that forehand, it's his point. And from there, you know, he decides inside out, inside out, inside in, when the point is going to end. You know, it wasn't just him. It was guys, uh, you know, I think the guys who may not, Uh, they appreciate a slow court but they just don't move as well on clay Uh, that would be guys like you know Marin Cilic who's lost a half step in the slowness of these courts in Miami the conditions allowed him that extra split second to get to the ball set his feet a guy like Taylor Fritz same deal Sasha Bublik same deal like it was just uh Emil Russovori same deal and I just think it was a really fun contrast. I also, I mean, you look at the players who are having success, the Musetti's, the Rusevori's of the world, the Corda's of the world. Yeah, I, I just want to reinforce the point that They're doing this all on the Challenger Tour as well in the months, weeks before they play these ATP Tour events. That's why we do these podcasts, because a lot of the guys who are having just success at any level are seeing that success translate to the highest levels. And part of it is match play is the key. There's limited match play. Anyone who can play a bunch of matches, be match tough, has an inherent advantage until things return to normal. But... Also, sometimes, like, your eyes don't lie. Sometimes the numbers don't lie. Lorenzo Musetti and Sebastian Corda were dominant. Emil Roussevori in 2019 dominated the Challenger Tour. And to see them now have success at the ATP level, like, that really shouldn't shock anyone. Karatsev obviously falls into that category as well.
1: And for someone like Musetti, especially on these slow, hard courts, and I get— and I, and I, and I do think he's vulnerable on hard, but the, these slow Acapulco and now Miami are really helping his game. And, prou- and even though I don't think he's going to do well on faster hard courts and on and against bigger hitters on hard courts, like a chill, like a Chilich, um, just getting comfortable playing on hard and the movement and the footwork is going to serve him well in the long run. Um, and it's nice that he's able to ease into it on kind of like a pseudo clay type, uh, uh,
0: hardcore. 100%. It's helped a guy like Pass as well, who just physically now he's tracking down everything. Um, I mean, Maria Sakari, she made the match a trap yeah. against Osaka. Came, She's just so, so
1: quick. Dead yesterday.
0: Yeah, exactly. And to do that two days in a row, that's just stunning stuff. I mean, Bianca Andrescu has made the most of having that extra split second as well. It's applied to both sides. And again, it's why. Wait a why... second. Go ahead.
1: Can we give some shout outs to Cyrus cerebus Tormo? Oh, oh.
0: I forgot who I was talking to. This, So we may have to spend 20 minutes right now on Cyrus cerebus Tormo because she, you know. Finally, I found, again, this is why it, would, it was great to disagree for once on Schwartzman Corda. I think Sarah saribas Tormo is 29 and 11 now over her last 52 weeks of competition. So since the tour restarted in August, David, now that includes the title she won in Guadalajara, the run to the what, semifinals? Finals in Monterey? I think it was semifinals. Yeah, in And now she's inside the top 50 of the WTA rankings. She's a top 10 mover, I would say, in the women's game. That backhand slice just gives people fits. I mean, her serve is objectively bad. Like, her percentages are great because she makes 70% of her first serve and she wins the same amount of points because it's the same serve, both first and second serve. But, you know, outside of the serve, she does everything else well, David, and for, and I'm sorry for stealing your thunder because I, I'm going to give you the floor after this, well, I promise. I just wanted to wait. point out, doesn't it feel like clay courts might be her best surface? Like, for her to have this run on hard courts, what's she going to do when she can get clay events under her belt?
1: Well, she's playing a clay – like, she barely like, – we we say that Sarah Arani is, like, this defensive, no weapons. She makes Sarah Arani look like – like, uh, <laughs> look like Karina up there yeah. with the – she plays – I've watched a ton of so so Cyrus Revis Tormo, just for context, is one of my favorite WTA players. Um, okay. so I've watched a ton of her matches. Uh, she barely plays offense at all, and but what she's great at is she gets every ball back deep, she gets everything back, and she puts the ball in very uncomfortable situations. And even though she, and something else that she does great is even though she'll have a lapse, she, she like she looked. Like, she was uh, dead in the water against Rabakina in the second set and against um, Jabor in the second set.
0: No. Uh, quickly, just because it's going to bother me, just because I she uh, nowadays, it's Rabakina. Just, I don't know why. Oh. It, it just, because I Rabakina. did the right. Yeah, because I'm going to get the tweet is the problem. And I'm going to be like, I know it's Rabakina. Trust me. Right. Um, I'm yeah. actually
1: writing this down now, Rabakina, because I remember <laughs> uh Rab- yeah. Okay, But Rabakina, but, so what Rabakina and uh-huh. um, and Jabor were hitting through her uh-huh. so easily in the second set, but it's just hard to sustain it over the course of a full match when literally you have to work so hard to win every point.
0: She just makes her matches so physical, and part of that is the slice. You just have to bend in uncomfortable positions over the course of two hours, and for lack of a better term, you're just like, man— this like I'm done yeah. doing this as an opponent, and that's her bread and butter. And watching her play Buzkova in Guadalajara was literally two players just ah uh, such good physical tennis. That's a I feel like that's a David Gertler special, um, that sort of match. And just I mean she out physical Buzkova, which is really hard yeah. to do, and it was just so impressive. And yeah, she I appreciate. You bringing her up because she did deserve ten minutes of time. She has been, really, really exceptional here through the first. Certainly, I would say one of the winners of the first third of either the men's or women's seasons. But so in, oh, sorry,
1: seven, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just one more. No, thing please, please. Want, this is
0: why I love having you on.
1: Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, she's won her last seven three set matches.
0: That's nuts. Yeah, Did you know, Tiafo's played, I think, now seven three-set matches in a row as well. It's just, it's,
1: well, she hasn't played him in a row, but she's actually, every match in Miami's been three sets. But yeah, no, I mean, it is, Tiafo, Tiafo can also, Tia, Tiafo played a good Miami. I, I'm oh, not,
0: great Miami.
1: Like, I was impressed with, I was impressed with, I've been impressed with Tiafo this year.
0: Um, What do you think about him? No, 100% agree. He's objectively better. First of all, physically, it's a nightmare, and he's one of those guys who you honestly might prefer to play two out of three versus three out of five sets. I would say a slow-bouncing hard court like Miami, where he has an extra half second to get through his forehand loop, it's the kiss of death. Like, that's why he's got a higher win percentage on clay than hard courts. That's why uh, he's had success in Miami before, because, A, he's got a serve that can hit through any court. B, he's got the sort of craft that can work you around any court. And then, C, physically, he can just do a little bit of everything. And so, you know, again, the ser- getting served to the forehand will forever be the thing. H- however good that gets will define his ceiling as a player. But everything else is rounding out, David.
1: Yeah. And yes, he hasn't had like a title this year or a huge breakthrough. But even like losing to Munar in Buenos Aires, it, you, I get the sense that he's close. Like in that one of these tournaments coming up soon, even yesterday against Medvedev. Medvedev was looking pretty weak uh, like physically. And I felt like just at any moment Tiapo could break through in that match. And it didn't happen, but I think it's going to happen soon.
0: He got broken once against Dan Evans, and he was up 40-love in the game. Like, that's just—that's really good. That's really, yeah. really good. I agree with you. And I know, you know, the big stat, Fritz takes over from John Isner as the top-ranked American male next week, and Isner drops out of the top 30 for the first time since 2011, dropping the fourth-longest streak in men's tennis behind the big three. The race to be the top-ranked male— like, Corda's probably the leader in the clubhouse, which is crazy to, crazy to say. That, like, if you ask people, who do you think is going to be number one by the end of the year, the hot take, they just say Corda. But, like, him, Fritz, Opelka, Tiafo, Tommy Pauls looked good. Isner looked great in Miami. Like, there's one a lot. T- yeah, against there, RBA. Exactly. There's a lot of depth there. Tennis Sandgren's been playing really well. Dennis Kudla, I think it just the more matches he plays, the higher he's going to ascend. Socks still on the comeback. Who knows what we're getting from Query, Nakashima, Brooksby. Fun, fun time to be an American men's tennis fan. With that in mind, any final thoughts? David, are you ready to talk some challenger tennis?
1: I think we've... uh... We, I don't want to go too far off track. So, no,
0: uh, we can leave. We're going to leave all of that in, though, for sure. That was a strong opening twenty. Uh, right. I, I love that, of course. But no, with that in <laughs> mind, let's get to the show uh, and talk a little bit about last week's Challenger Tour results. Preview the week ahead on the Challenger Tour. I suppose at this point we're halfway through the week, so preview the upcoming weekend of Challenger action. I feel bad because Zizu Bergs has been outstanding over these past few weeks, and we're going to do a quality 10 minutes on Zizu. I promise, because I know there are a few listeners out there who want to follow him specifically, but... David, anytime you have a former Junior Slam champion, an 18-year-old winning a Challenger title, joining you know, Stan Wawrinka and Roger Federer, and that's really the only two options to choose from, but when you join that sort of company in Swiss men's tennis history in terms of how young you are when winning your first Challenger title – We probably have to start the podcast with you, start the podcast, start the challenger section of the podcast with you, and that's what we're going to be doing, as we're going to start today with a conversation about Dominic Stricker, the Mm 18-year-old Swiss player winning the first challenger title of his career as he knocks off... uh, I believe it was and I don't want to get this incorrect. Vitali Sachko in straight set, yeah. six four, six two to earn the victory. You look for Stricker now with this win. He obviously jumps up to a new career high, the 18-year-old, all the way up now inside the top 500, which for any sort of 18-year-old, you think to yourself, damn, that that's pretty darn good. But of course, now with this challenger title, Stricker, all the way up to number 422 in the rankings. I believe that makes him, what, the fifth highest ranked player uh, under the age of 19. Maybe it's the fourth. I'll have that exact number for you, but... You know, David. Again, the background. The uh, for Stricker, he won the 2020 Junior French Open only a few months ago, knocking off a fellow countryman, Leonardo Riedi, uh in the who, final. Uh, they played
1: today, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to you know, say right. That was that was a match they played today, and you know, you look for Stricker. He's a guy who, in his career now, uh, has still play, has actually played a. Uh, or has still played i believe fewer you look at his professional career i think he's played fewer still than 20 professional matches you look over or maybe it's a little over 20 uh you look for him now he has played 28 professional level matches he's 18 and 10 10 and 4 on hard courts but of course he won a junior french open title and you know the big story for him over the past week Oh my gosh, can this 18-year-old Papa serve? I mean, what, you, you look overall what he was able to accomplish. I, I think he was broken, what, maybe once on the week? Like, I, it, it's an eye test thing. You watch him play for three changeovers, and you're like, holy crap is this 18-year-old good.
1: Yeah, and, you know, what's so funny is he's only 5'11", but yet he's able to— I don't
0: believe that. I'm going to put this out there. I don't believe that. I, I think he's grown since the last measurement because he didn't look 5'11", David. No, he looked like Goran Ivanisovich Isiv- out there. <laughs> um, yeah, so he won uh,
1: He won over 75% of his first serve points in all of his matches. And, and besides the semifinals, he won over 80 80- 80% of his first serve points in the final. He won 96% of his first serve points and only lost one first serve point in the entire match. 22 of 23, uh, first serve points won. You're totally right that the serve is really a huge part of his game. And then, like I was saying before, I think we were talking about it in relation to Corda. I, I love how he's just so offensive and looking to take take control of the point as soon as he possibly can um, did you notice that about him too?
0: Well, for Strickler, absolutely. And, you know, just to start again, some background. In his career now, he, you know, you look for him. I mentioned uh, that overall record. He is 18-10 in 10 overall. This is his second career challenger. He played his first a few weeks ago in St. Petersburg. In that event, he was able to win his first-round match in three sets before losing a really close three-set match to Chem Ilkel, who we have talked about over the past few weeks on this podcast has been rock solid. Uh, and then, you know, for him this week, I mentioned it, he was broken three times. But overall, he faced 15 break points on the week. He saved 12 of them. To face only 15 break points in five challenger matches at age 18, that's ridiculous. And, like, yeah, you look for him on the week. He was making about 62%, 63% of his first serves and winning them entirely entirely. At over an 85% clip. Like, that yeah. just foundationally, you know, it, it sounds very simple, folks, but half the game is serving and returning. If you can't make your first serve, if you can't put a return in the court, you're not going anywhere in tennis. It doesn't matter how look good you look in a ground stroke game. That's where the yep. point starts. And for Stricker, it's just explosive off the rack and mm. right away, and just his ability, and he's a lefty, for those of you who aren't aware, his ability to hit that slice down the T on the ad side, his ability to hit the slice out wide, on, or excuse me, slice down the T on the do side, his ability to hit the slice out wide on the ad, but also to pronate and go flat down the T on that ad side, to go big into your body, he just the fact that he has all of the spots already, the fact that he can disguise the spots he's going after so well, and then, you know, even before you get into the physical profile, yeah, his mentality, his, I mean, it's so funny because when I watched him play, I i just thought to myself, like, oh, well, I guess on indoor hard court conditions, these are the perfect conditions for his career, like, yeah, he's going to look good, and then you say, oh, wait, this guy's a junior French Open champion, like, it, yeah. If this is how good it looks on indoor hard courts, and he's a junior French Open champion, now you're talking about a guy who's got all the makings of a uh, future, not only top 100, but top 50 or potentially higher uh, tennis player.
1: But here's the here's the funny thing about tennis,
0: which I think we talk about a lot,
1: is that um, the margins are so small. In the second, I believe it was the second round, he played uh, Tim Van Ritchieven. Van- he had to save uh two two uh match points including one on mm-hmm. van richard serve in the in the third set um if he loses one of those points we're not even discussing him hardly at all today
0: um <laughs> it's true no you're not funny. wrong
1: it's... so it's just funny how it works like that
0: no it's a very fair point and like Look, uh, it's worth noting, you know, again, you talk about a 5'11", foot. that's fair, but you just watch him play. He can hit all of the serves. He wants to move forward. He's comfortable serving and volleying. He can play all of the volleys as well. It kind of reminds you of a young Shapovalov. I mean, that's the obvious take, given he's a lefty and so explosive, but just the way they move forward and play attacking tennis, you're like, that's going to work against anyone at any time.
1: Back in the day, Shapovalov's volley... Volleying skills were much worse than they are now. Um, I remember when, when he played uh, Dutra Silva and in, uh, in when he on that big uh, Canada run, he had to hit like a, either a half volley or a volley to save match point, and I was shocked he made it just because <laughs> of how poorly his volleying is. I feel like Stricker is a lot more comfortable, like at this point, you know, early in his career with that with that uh, forward moving forward instinct. Yeah, even I would in, uh,
0: so I where I would disagree is that I think the instinct was always there for Shapovalov. Like, the, when I think yeah. of uncomfortable at the net, I think of Taylor Fritz, who still even now, like, when he's at the net, he just seems so proud to have made the volley, where it's like, no, you can't uh-huh. just make the volley, you gotta put the volley away. Shapovalov was always trying to put the volley away, he just missed it, and, like, now he doesn't miss it anymore. To your point... Stricker doesn't miss it too often even now or at least he didn't here in Lugano and again it's a hometown challenger for him or not hometown but home country challenger for him and as you mentioned he was two match points away from losing and in terms of a draw the qualifier Vitali Sachko who was so excellent at the last end of last season at the ITF level and certainly really big forehand big serve good you know back and a little I, bit flat but uh, yeah. that's your ideal opponent in a challenger final but, like, for Stricker, it's A, I don't think I saw him hit a single backhand cross-court in this match. Like, he was just like, nope, I'm hitting my backhand down the line to you, Vitali. and if you can hit backhands to the open space and challenge my on-the-run forehand, congratulations, you're going to win this match. But he couldn't. And, like, Stricker, to be this athletic, to move this well at such a young age, to be that good in the outer thirds of the court with your forehand and still have a game that's predicated around playing attacking tennis, that's why, to me, I'm like, you keep Yannick Sinner. You keep Musetti. I'm on the Stricker bandwagon now. No,
1: I totally I totally understand that. Um, and, yeah, he uh, he might go through some – like today, you know, he retired from his match against Uh, Riedi, uh I don't know if I pronounced that right. Um, but, um, you, know, you know, when they're so young and you're just breaking through, it's not going to be smooth sailing, you know, all the time. I want to give a shout-out to Sacco, though. Um, I want to say, you know, he's first off, his backhand really impressed me, especially when he went up the line with it. Um, mm-hmm. And he beat some tough opponents this week. He beat Stakovsky indoors, which is tough, Safiulin indoors, and Selick Bilek, all in a row, who are all – you know, good indoor players, um, Selic Felix in form in good form. Um, so he really, I think he actually had the tougher road. Well, I don't know. Cause Stricker had to beat Stricker. You know what the Stricker's most impressive one of the week was when he beat Massor. Yeah. Uh, that was a good win, and He took it to an informed Masur. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry. Sachka Sacco really impressed me, um, this week and, it's amazing that we just had like heard about him starting in Vienna of last year and he's already making a challenger final and
0: doing so well. Yeah, I mean Vitali Sachko 26 and 13 since the restart he uh, I believe, made a couple of semifinals at ITFs in September, in October. Uh, he made that Lima Challenger semifinal before losing to Toronto at the end of November. Mm-hmm. Uh, qualified in Concepcion, then went and played a couple of ITF events where he won an ITF title in Bratislava to start the month. And yeah, this is a guy who comes through qualifying, who was pushed to three sets in his first-round match by number 4 seed Mark Pullmans and dropped that first set. And then after that, he didn't drop a set until the final. And now the 23-year-old up to a new career high or right around it. He's at 389. His career high of 387 came, I think, the week before uh, Lugano. And it's just like – yeah, it, it makes sense. His, I mean, the forehand's explosive. The serve is explosive. Again, the backhand's a little bit flat, and I do wonder on a non-hard court when he gets stretched, if it's, you know, point construction on the clay, how's he going to hold up? But we saw last year that he's pretty darn good on the clay, and so I agree with you. I, I, I think there's a lot to be intrigued about with Sachko in terms of just final... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I definitely not. It's definitely Sachko or something like that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely screwing it up. But I apologize to Vitali. Uh, Vital, Vitali, I think it's definitely Vitali, right? We can agree yeah. on that. Yes. Okay. So I apologize to Vitali if I butchered the last name. But no, I agree with you. The forehand's a weapon, like absolutely, and you know it's a it's a topspin based weapon. It it's like Serendolo point seven five. and it's <laughs> just not it's not as clean. Um, but no, it it I, I like Sachko. I guess. Any final thoughts on him on Stricker? Because I, I know I didn't give you really the chance to talk about Stricker's ground strokes. I thought the backhand it's a little flat. He was clearly really comfortable going down the line with it, playing slice with it, but I do wonder how it would hold up on a fat you know, against a little bit more pace, against, you know, big serves. That forehand gets a little big, but again, against a bigger server, how is that gonna hold up? But I mean, overall, like, if you're looking for a glaring weakness for Stricker, I think the most Im- impressive thing is you don't really see one right away.
1: No, and he really—I guess he didn't—he didn't play too many big servers last week. Um, yeah. He did play Van Riethoven, who had 18 aces against him. But, I mean, yeah. that, that was—the court seemed very fast. And and I think that—I I do like how you—like you mentioned earlier, how he had that French Open success. I, I want—I do think that he can— translate his game on to clay you know and to the challenger level play too although i think i like his game in hard court just a touch more right now in regards to Satchko, i saw i've watched him late last year on clay in the challenge in the challenger one of the challengers and he held up fine his game held up fine i'm not worried about him on clay i was actually more surprised about I was because I, I, I guess I was a little surprised that he had the run he had this week even a little more so than Stricker, but just because I I, I have been I've been hearing about Stricker for a little while now. In um, Sachko, I don't I just didn't think he would beat a Stakovsky on indoor hard or beat a Safulin. Um but they both impressed me and, and we'll see where it goes from here.
0: No, oh, yeah, he moves well. I mean, Sachko, the backhand's close to the body, right? And you do wonder, again, when pressured by Pace, like he was against Stricker, uh, certainly, at least on that day, mm-hmm. it didn't hold up. But, yeah, I mean, for Satchko, uh, again, the win over Celik Bellic, the win over Cefilian, Stakovsky, pullmans You'll take all of those to the bank right now. Those are all really pr- impressive performances. Yeah, again— uh stricker's a stud he is you know i mentioned over his last 52 i think he or in his career uh that 18 and 10 record since uh last uh this i should say in his last 52 weeks he's 14 and 5 his losses and you know let's go one by one david you tell me if this is a bad loss or not lost second round to juan manuel serendolo 6-1 in the third Uh, in a round of 16, like on clay. No, that's not a bad loss. Not a bad loss. Loss 6-1 in the third once again to Holger Rune, once again at a 25K on clay. We agree not a bad loss?
1: Not a bad loss, but I'm not as high in Rune as other people are.
0: That's... Okay, we'll save that discussion for another time. But I'm putting a pin in that one. Good. We disagree on something. Um, Lucas Pullian. He loses 6-3 in the third semifinals on hardcore. Not a bad loss?
1: No, and and he's bad. I know he's not a big name, but I think he's pretty good.
0: Yeah, very, very good. Absolutely, Chem Ilkel three-set loss to him six-three in the third in Saint Petersburg. We already talked about it. Not a bad loss. The only one that you don't love is his loss to Jill's Brower quarterfinals one in four uh, at a twenty-five k. But it was a match on carpet, and that would be a nightmare to play Brower on carpet.
1: Yeah, uh, he's a big lefty serve, right? I'm pretty. I'm, I remember. Yep. from challengers. Uh, yeah, that's on a on an indoor hardcourt court. Uh, Carpet, like you said, that's a tougher opponent than it seems. Um, no. We're yeah. seeing.
0: And by that sample size, again, he's 18 years old. He's the former world, I believe, number three junior. He is a junior French Open champion. He is really good, clearly, on the dirt. He's you know he was 42 and 19 uh, for his career in junior events on the dirt. And we're going to get to see him certainly play more high level professional events now as he is inside the top 450 of the ATP rankings. And the winner of the Zadar Challenge, or, excuse me, of the Lugano Challenger. Now you look at the rest of the results in Lugano Stricker. Really impressive three set win for him over number one seed Yuki Seguida in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it, Ch- uh, Sachko, 5 0 win over Chilik Bellic. Uh, we've talked about Chilik Bellic, I think, on the past two podcasts. So uh, good performance from him. Your other quarterfinalists, Karlovsky, Safilian, Grignier, and Daniel Masur. I'll give you the final word, David. Your remaining thoughts on all things Zadar. Uh you, yeah. Uh, Lugano, excuse me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh I would say you know a player I hate to be negative, but you know a player <laughs> I'm a little disappointed in? Give it to me. I don't I'm I, I really thought that Alexander Vukic would do, be doing better than he is right now. He lost in his first match in Lugano to uh and he's now lost uh, five matches in a row and there's only one in his uh one in five on the season. I with his only win against Lou, who is, who isn't, that's not a great win. I really thought that game really evolved what I thought was evolving after the, and, you know, huge serve and powerful ground strokes that he would really break through this year more. And he's kind of taken a step backwards.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, didn't he have the big Australia? Am I crazy here? I, I feel like he did have a good Australian open run um this year? Mem- yeah didn't he, he if i'm but he may he may did he make the main draw through qual? uh he had uh one I have up. this right here uh, Alex Vukic went no he did not so he went yeah. beat Randy Liu yeah lost to Sinner lost to Hajnov in a really nice four set match i'm trying to think what was the big run he made qualified for so he Roland Garros qualified the French Open last year yeah that's what it was that's where he qualified was the French he Open last guys. year no i mean but you look at the context of these losses, right? Like you say, he's lost five in a row and six of his last seven. Again, the Tomić loss, Nishkeet. but he lost to Gre- Gregoire Barrer, who or Bre- Bre, excuse me, who made the final in Zadar. We'll talk about it in a second. He lost that match five and six. Yeah, he made the
1: final in uh, in uh, Lille.
0: In was it Lille
1: last week? Um,
0: oh yeah, it, it was yeah, Lille, yeah. and then Zadar was the other one. Yeah, excuse yeah, me. Zadar is it,
1: the wind bowl.
0: Yeah, so, it, exactly. It's all screwed up in my notes right now. That's why I keep screwing up the titles. But, anyways, yes, Beret made the final in Lille last week. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, again, that's not a bad loss for Vukic. The Tomic loss isn't great, but, like, 4-4 four and four to Rodionov, indoor hard courts, you can understand that loss. A loss to Yannick Sinner, I think all of us can understand at this point. Like, again, it, context is key, right? He's lost a lot of close matches. You would have thought indoor hard courts, He played his college years at Illinois. This would be a surface he thrives on. I agree with you under the premise that you know three straight third round, uh, first round losses at challengers is not acceptable. But like, it's not as though the matches he he's playing are particularly bad. I don't think he's making a lot of first serves right now. But like, outside of that, I don't know. It, like, is that fair?
1: It is fair, and I and I do agree to an extent. But I guess for me, like having watched Vukic, Rodionov, there was no way Rodionov was losing that match. I would Vukic was just a was just a little erratic from the baseline. He had the rally tolerance, and I know that we're high on Rodio. You know, I we did that. We've done a pod on him, um, podcast. Um, but um, I just I didn't like how he looked, to be honest. And I guess that's more so than the actual results themselves than what I see what I've seen. Even against Lilloway, he didn't play that great in the first match of the year. Um, so that's, uh, so I, I, I agree to the extent, but I also disagree to the extent, which I guess is a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, again, it's, it's fair to say. I mean... Yeah, it's yeah, it's fair. It's fair. No, it again, it's I, I'm hoping to see a jump from him because certainly 25, 26 years old now is the time and he did look so good to end last season. You were hoping he would bring that momentum to start this year. Uh unfortunately, it hasn't quite carried over. Uh, but again, you know, in terms of just quickly to wrap up Lugano, yes, uh, Roman Safilian after a couple of brutal results for him in St. Petersburg, gets a really nice win over Jack Sock in the round of 16 to get to the quarterfinals here. We mentioned Leonardo, uh, Leandro Riedi, uh, the person who came against uh, Stricker in that French Open junior final last year. He lost a brutal three set battle to Sagita, uh, but I'm sure he told Stricker, hey, here's what you got to do to beat him in the third. And evidently, really nice advice for. From him. But, anyways, that's your Lugano challenger. With that in mind, let's switch gears now. Talk about the action in Lil. Yes, I got that correctly. That's where we're going next uh-huh. because it's time to talk about Zizu Bergs, who we haven't spent. An extended period on. We've talked about him a little bit because he has had a ton of success of late. But, of course, for those of you who are like, huh, Zizou Bergs," that name sounds familiar. Where have I heard that before? He, of course, made a big name for himself at the end of last season when he ended up going on a run in Antwerp, beating Albert Ramos Vinolas, pushing Karen Hatchinov two three sets. Since that moment, David, he's 24-6. and in his last 52 weeks, of course, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago when he won the St. Petersburg Challenger. He loses a three-set match the next week to Casper Zouk, takes a week off, comes through qualifying, and ultimately wins the Challenger in Lille. You look for him now. It is the second challenger title of his career and for Sisu Berg's with this victory he will be, uh I should say I believe what is he 21 year old uh, Belgian moves up to number 262 in the live rankings indoor hardcore to me I think indoor hard are always going to be his best surface but this is a I... guy looks to play the forehand big looks to move forward had a ton of success doing so this week David
1: it yes and he mm-hmm. i want to say that he had some guts this week to mm-hmm. be that final against for that final set tie break that was tight stuff um and i want in his semi-final against police is a good can play some huge tennis indoors um in the semifinals, and he was able to win 86 percent of his first serve points while serving 79 percent against him i know that and I really was impressed with him in that match too. Uh, and yeah, Barrera is experienced player and he really, you know, Burr probably should have won that match more easily in the final. Um, he was up 4-1 in the third set and then he got broken for 4-3. And it was, and even when Barrera saved, you know, two match points in the, in the uh, third set to get to a, fi- to get to a tie break, a lot of players might've collapsed there. So yeah, you know, playing an experienced player who saves some match points to get to the t- final t- set tie break of a, but he really recovered mentally well from that. And it was just a really, the ball, he is so explosive. Like the ball explodes off his. And yeah, it was a great week. Uh, even beating Martyr in the first round in straight mm-hmm. sets. Martyr is not an easy player with that lefty serve, and he beat him 4 and 1.
0: No, I mean, just from top to bottom, you look at the numbers for Zizu Bergs, and I mentioned over the last 52 weeks, he's making 71% of his first serves, winning 73% of those points, holding 83.5% of the time. Now, again, it's against challenger-level competition, but amongst top 50 players, those would be top 15 uh, serving numbers, and... It mm-hmm. passes the eye test as well. It's one of those things where, yeah, when he lands a first serve, he's going to play a plus one forehand. He's probably going to move in behind that ball. He's comfortable going inside out, inside out to set up the inside in on the forehand wing. He's actually plenty comfortable hitting through his backhand as well. I think he's a really quality returner and that he's really good at getting a read on the ball and just getting his racket on and hitting that ball cleanly. And then, you know, if you sit a second serve up, he's going to go after it. Now, He's definitely a little bit stiff in the hips, and it certainly yeah. helped him in this match to have Gregoire Bure, uh, Gregoire Bure, excuse me, who the player comp for Gregoire Bure is John Millman. You'll never convince me otherwise. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it helped that beret doesn't have the most overwhelming first serve, and yeah, he can play plus one he tennis. He didn't play well
1: more, this whole week, to be honest. Yeah,
0: it, and yet he still made the final, which is so yeah. funny. Um, But, you know, the number one seed doesn't have the most natural pop. And if you can get Bergs off of his spot a couple of times in a row, I think he's particularly susceptible to being hit behind him. Um, That certainly is uh, a way to beat him at the same time. I mean, again, he's holding serve 84% of the time. He's 24-6 and in his last uh, 52 weeks. Two challenger titles. It's now six months in a row of really high-quality tennis. And, of course... He's only 21 years old, right? He doesn't turn 22 until June and just you watch him play the serve, the forehand, their first, top 100 Yeah, the first serve and the forehand, thank you for the correction. Their top 100 weapons.
1: Yeah. I would say so, yeah, and the completed In the backhand too. In the completed matches this week, he uh, he made 70% of his first serves, which is huge because for instance against Holis he only won 23% of his second serves. And against Barrer, he only won 42% of his second serves. So I think, at least towards the end of the tournament, second serve... Uh, win percentage fell off a little bit. And you're right, he is a little stiff in the hips. And yeah, And just that- quickly
0: to add to your second serve analysis, I think the stiffness in the hips, eh, that's part of why he loses those second serve points. Because if you can get a clean first strike on him, yeah, I don't think he moves poorly, but I think his best movement's always going to be on an indoor hard court. And on a clay court, I definitely worry about him in the outer thirds.
1: Yes, and yeah, especially because those explosive ground strokes are going to get slowed down on Clyde. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to grind it out more. And I'm not totally convinced yet that he can do that, which I'm not trying to knock him at all. Um, but I'm just, I just want to see it to believe it. Um, but really I don't want to knock him really at all anymore because he winning two challengers is in such a short period of time is really impressive stuff. And like I said, Beating Barer, who did, even though he wasn't playing that well this week, beating Halise, beating Martyr to Tom K well, and then what he did in St. Petersburg, it's just a really great start to for him, um on his yeah. way up rankings.
0: Yeah, I, all fair points. And I do wonder because the backhand's flat as well, and so on a clay court, how does that shot hold up? And you know, I nah. would you know you uh, I'm just going to keep going back to this example a guy like Francisca, Francisco Francisco Surindolo A his forehand is a rocket jet B, you know, rocket jet, sorry, his forehand is a rocket ship. Uh, B, there's a fluidity about him as well that he can grind. He can, you know, be fluid around the court when he needs to. Zizou Bergs, I love his mentality. I love how positive he is. I love how into every point of the match he plays he, cares. he is. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where And half of tennis is caring because you're going to be playing a challenger in Turkey for the third week in a row, and you're going to be like, man, this like I'm done yeah. I don't want to do this anymore and that's never going to be the attitude for a guy like Zizou Berg's it's never going to be an attitude for a guy like Jensen Brooksby and that's part of their biggest strengths as young players but you know I, my thing is I look for these weapons now weapons especially in men's tennis might be more valuable than anything how are you going to win points easily and like you know again for Dominic Stricker he's going to win so many points on serve throughout the majority of his career it's just going to be easy for him Bergs is going to hold serve a lot throughout his career, and hard courts are always going to be the kindest portion of the season to him. But I thought poss was a little bit stiff-hipped as well. I thought Sinner was a little bit stiff-hipped, and now I watch those two guys move, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, nope, not an issue for them at all. So, again, that we're talking about Bergs and we're saying the biggest issue is his movement, I think it's a really good thing about the young Belgian player.
1: Yeah, and I want to see, but I also want to see his, like, rally tolerance on yeah,
0: clay. Yeah, 100%. 100%.
1: Convinced like, yet. Again, I'm trying not to be negative. Uh, no, I'm it's not, fair. I'm not convinced yet that he's going to be able to grind through a bunch of, like, to grind through carbayas Baena on Clay. Um, mm-hmm. or to grind through a, uh, Gian, or Pedro Souza, uh who I watched the reason I'm bringing it up because I watched their match this morning. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just not convinced about that yet, but I, I mean, the, the, the future is looking bright for him and really Belgian tennis is in good hands.
0: Yeah. 100% agree with you there. Well, then you look at the rest of these results here in France, and it was a great tournament for the Frenchmen. Uh, Maxime jean Vier Quentin Hallease, your other semifinalist. Feels like the fa- that's the first time I've seen Hallease in a semifinal in far too long. Great uh, when yeah, 100%. Great win over Benjamin Bonzi in the quarterfinals. jean Vier, really nice win over Arthur Rinderneck in the quarterfinals. Always fun to see Rinderneck now with that number three seed by yeah. his name. He's earned it. And I actually have to say, quarterfinals, that's a pretty good result for him. Like, he, considering how much tennis he's played of late, take all of the quarterfinals you can get. Um, what
1: about our guy, Voracek?
0: That's what I was going to say. And last but certainly not least, how about Jonas Voracek, who – I mean, just the guy's a win. Like the guy's just a grinder. Like talk about a guy who tricky player. David
1: could have easily beaten Barrer in that third. Ah, in that third set tiebreak, he got. You know, he was close to winning that match, and he just. You know, it's so tough against the player like Barrer, but it's another great week for him. And yeah, I want to say that V.A., that, that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but he played. He served really well. Um, he he really should have beat for Ber- another one that could have really beat for He was up, I believe five, two in the set, a set in five, two in the mm-hmm. semifinals. And he, the rest is history, obviously, but uh, yeah, that he, he served well and his, he has a very interesting game. It's a little awkward for opponents. Um, in the fact his forehand has an. it's a, I don't know if it's technically, uh, I don't know if it's a technically like, technically sound, but it's interesting in the fact that, it cuts through the court really, uh, really uh, sharply. Have you noticed that?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's just like it, it reminds me. I think I said this last time we talked about him. It's it reminds me a lot of Marcos Giron. Like I don't know why, but it's just like the way they just kind of slap through the ball, but it's also very wristy. Like I don't know. That's that's what I see when I the watch backhand's
1: it kind of flat. I think yeah,
0: true, very true, very true. No, but again, I mean. All of these young Czechs. I mean, we're going to talk about it when we get to this week. I, of course, a match that had my name on it, the Machizuki match. Uh, he <laughs> played uh, Who – I'm, I'm screwing up the names in my head of all of the young uh, Czech players. Machizuki played, I believe um, – who did he play this week? How am I blanking on this name? Um, come on, Alex. Be better than this. Be better than this. He played – he played – who did he play? Um – Machizuki, it was on I freaking watched the highlights on YouTube literally like thirty minutes ago. Anyways, doesn't matter. The the point being, um, look, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would I would say um if your te- uh, for your tech continues to play some really good tennis and then just again, overall I thought the quality of Lil was pretty high. A bunch of three set matches up and down the board. It with wasn't that perfect. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I was gonna say with that in mind, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily, you'd think, like a fast indoor hardcore, but there were some really good rallies this, this week in Lil. Um, and yeah, like, like we mentioned before, it was great seeing Quinn and Hallease have some success and to beat a guy like Bonzi uh, in this quarterfinals and really pretty much dominate him, uh, winning uh, 74% of his first serves, only 29. 29- Halice has almost has one of the biggest differences between his first serve and his second serve because his first serve is like huge, but he, <laughs> he struggles sometimes on the second serve. But he defended in terms of his return game against Bonzi. He he uh, held Bonzi to only 27 percent of his second serves one, so even lower than him. Uh, so he returned well in that match uh, and really suffocated Bonzi. Uh, in terms of just not even giving him an opening to get back into it from the start. Um, so great week for him.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Again, it was it was uh, a really fun week of tennis in France. With that in mind, let's talk about our final challenger of last week, and we're going to go through this one a little bit quicker, and I'm literally just going to cede the floor to you because when I watch Nikola Miljovic versus Demi- Demitar uh, Kuzmanov again, Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Three and a half hours of long, physical, grinding tennis. It may not have actually been three and a half hours, but, I mean, this match, absolutely, again, uh, you know, Kuzmanov took the first set to six in the final. Miljevic comes storming back in for Miljevic. I thought, you know, just again, the way he moves the ball around so well. uh, He doesn't have a big weapon, but he just kind of tracks everything down. The Kuzmanov forehand was the shot with the single most action on the court, but, you know, Miljevic was down. Oh, I, I wanted to mention, by the way, uh, for Zizu Bergs quickly, because in that final, he got broken. This is just a random note. It would have bothered me had I not said it. Zizu <laughs> Bergs got broken uh, at f- up, uh, down 4 or 5 in the first set to lose the first 6 4. Immediately came back, opened up the second set with a break to go, and then ran away with that second set, and then gets broken in his very first service game, very first game of the third set. But then raced back to take the next three games, and to see a young 21-year-old compete like that, that was super impressive. Anyway, speaking of super impressive Uh competitors, that's why I was reminded of it, Nikola Miljovic. I mean, the first set just didn't go his way. He couldn't hit a ball through the court, and then just slowly but surely, he sort of miljovic would his way to victory now again i'm going to cede the floor to you on all things zadar i also just want to throw this at you nikola miljovic if him and victor Troisky are in a room standing next to each other you're not going to know who is who because (laughs) face wise they look identical um anyways with that david floor is yours
1: yeah so miljovic uh he can sometimes go in and out of matches at times um but when he's locked in and on, like you said, he moves the ball around the court really well. He hits it deep. He's consistent, and he doesn't. And he doesn't necessarily. He's not going to give away a lot when he's locked in. And sometimes he's locked in, and sometimes he's not. This week he was locked in a lot more. Kuzminov is going to be very upset with himself because, quite honestly, I don't know how he lost that match. In the for the in the third set, he had a break point in the first four service games, and he only broke once. Um, and and he was up over, he was up four two. Uh, at in on his serve, he got broken. Uh, so I really think he's gonna be upset with himself that he lost that match. And the, but you know you win only forty one percent and actually he had the better serving stats too, winning forty one percent of his second serve and fifty nine percent of his first serves. But you can't really get mad at Matt, you can't really you can't really say, Oh, I deserve to you know win you know, I deserve to win if you're only making winning forty one percent of your second serves. You're leaving a lot up to chance there. Uh but yeah, like you said, long long rallies, lots of Lots of breakpoint opportunities, lots of uh, long games. It was a grind over three hours, like you said. Kind of sucks there has to be a winner for a match like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the stats actually favored Kuzminad, even though his stats weren't that good. Uh, I also want to shout out Lucas Klein, um, who beat Magger and made the semifinals. Uh, Klein's... uh, Clay court game has really impressed me this year. He he had that nice run in Argentina before he lost to Schwartzman through qualifying, um, which I which I was not necessarily expecting, but that I thought was impressive. First serve, he can crank that shot
0: in. Um,
1: the wind in Zadar. Sorry if I'm just kind of talking about everything on the
0: mind. No, I said the floor is yours. I, again, you are giving us the Zadar breakdown. Please don't stop.
1: The wind in Zadar was crazy uh, uh, towards the beginning of the tournament. These guys, I think I was watching uh, Rola mulkin and they could barely get a clean ground stroke off because the wind was just whipping everywhere. Um, so it was interesting to see. The match of the tournament was, I think we might have mentioned I definitely mentioned this on Twitter. The match of the tournament, if it wasn't the final, it was Gianessi Fatic, um, who also Fatic, okay, I'll talk about him a little after this.
0: Um, No, all in. Do it now. Please. Okay.
1: Towards the end of that match, in the third set tiebreak, he was down 4-0 and cramping, and somehow Gianessi lost that match 8-6 in the third set tiebreak. Fatic then goes on to beat Sumik Nagal and reach the semifinals. He has an interesting game. I like his forehand. Um, he heavy, strong. He is, I like how he incorporates drop shots into his game. Uh, and he had a really good week, really out of nowhere, uh, qualified for the tournament. Um, and he, I, but, I mean, we're not expecting him to beat Gianessi and Nagal in a row. Goes to show you what a mental game uh, tennis is that he was able to beat Giansi in that match, um, and to grind through Sumit Nagal in three sets, seven five in the third. Two right after that was just really impressive.
0: Guess I would say uh, again, speaking of the young Czechs, uh, you know, you had another one, Vic Capriva, in the quarterfinals. So shout out to them. Appearances everywhere; they continue to look strong. But now. I think you nailed it. I think that's everything from Zadar. So, with that in mind, let's move on to previewing this week's action. We've got two challengers on our hands, one in Mirabella, the oh, wait, other.
1: Can I one more thing.
0: Oh, by all means, please.
1: We had the. Don't forget about the match of the. The real match of the tournament, Nadelko at Gavish wheeling the first round. <laughs> Uh, a gambler's paradise for anyone, anyone listening. Gambling.
0: <laughs> that was a good last edition. I'm glad you snuck <laughs> that in, but okay. With that in mind, Let's talk about this week's action. And again, we're pretty much, I think we're halfway through the round of 16 in our challenger in Mirabella, Spain, and in Oeris, Portugal. Uh, You look, let's start with Portugal because already we've had our number one, two, four, five, six, and seven seeds eliminated there. You look at the players remaining into the draw through to the quarterfinals already. It's going to be Trungalidi against Igor Sisling. It's going to be Raul Brancaccio against Evan Fernandes. You've also got Moken versus Serdarusic, Elias versus Ortega Almeida. You've got Miedler versus Denicolar, Kolar, Mats meringue versus Tiago Cacao. That's your action in uh, Portugal. Let's start there. I, I know that one's on the clay this week. I believe Maribel Spain on the clay as well. Mar- but, yeah, uh, so you're in heaven. You you must be feeling good. Let's start, though, again in Portugal. What are you watching most closely the rest of this week and any preliminary thoughts? Oh, I guess you could save your preliminary thoughts for next week's breakdown, but just, you know, anything you're watching the rest of the week.
1: Yeah, uh, so I would be celebrating, but the time zones. Uh, I hate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting to see Sisling. I, I, I don't necessarily see sizzling as this big clay quarter with this game, but... He's been making it work well. Um, beat Moroni uh, recently uh, today, six two six two, which was a really good win. Broncaccio, uh kind of back from the dead a little bit there. Uh, I actually think that uh, Trungoliti might be the uh, favorite left here. Trungoliti or uh, I would say Trungoliti or Mulkin. Mulkin's mm-hmm. uh, a- I think Alex Mulkin, when he's like he made a challenger final when he lost to uh Stephen Diaz on in Grand Canaria. He's a good play quarter when he's on. So I I would be on the I'd be looking out for him in Trungoliti uh for the rest of the tournament. That's fair.
0: I thought you were going to say Evan Furness. Evan Furness I feel like has a game style right up your alley. He uh, does, what...
1: but in in I I actually me and uh Someone else uh, I was talking to earlier this week We're interested to see how he did on clay because we were not really sure. And he had a nice win over Kukoc. He, I believe, he was up 4 four zero in the third set. He then he went, but he went down five six. But he came back strong uh, to win that match. And then he got another three setter against one of my favorite backhands on tour, Ricardo ben- Ricardo At um into in the second round to reach his quarterfinal match against Brancaccia, which is very winnable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well put. Well, that's the action going on in uh, Portugal, in Spain. Uh, we've had our numbers one, two, five, and eight seeds knocked off. You look at who we've already seen advance to the quarterfinals. Cleison going to take on Giannesi. jean Luca Magier going to take on Roberto Marcora. Your bottom half of the draw round of sixteen matches are as follows: jean Vier versus Milojevic. Via Martinez versus Zumher. Munar versus Capri priva and gomez herrera versus taro daniel what are the things you are watching most closely david this week in spain
1: well first off no offense to the guys in portugal but this draw is a lot stronger
0: way stronger i agree it's had to be said holy cow i mean
1: they these are some like 250 500 maybe not 500 no Uh, if
0: i told you this was the buenos aires draw you'd be like (laughs) yeah that makes sense
1: I mean, first off, Martin on good. He's playing some great tennis. When another player that, when he's locked in, he's very tough. Um, seeing Gianesi break um, come back uh, from such a tough week last week, as we just mentioned, that's been good to see. Although I, I always feel like Pedro Souza is a talent that just he could be have had so many better results than he actually has. Um, players to watch. Going forward, Jaime Munar and Clay in the Challenger is always uh, going to be one of the favorites. Uh, I would probably call him the favorite uh, left in the draw. It was interesting to see uh, Damir Zumer got a uh, got in as a lucky loser to the main draw of Miami. He beat Kevin Anderson, lost to Sitsipas, and then, and then he traveled across the ocean to Marbella where he made the surface switch and the switching level of tournament very nicely, beating Sanchez Izquierdo in the first round. So that was, uh, that That was, an, I think, a good uh, win for him. Just given, especially given what a big effort it took to get there. Um, Magr is also, as we saw during the golden swing, a uh, big, a good clay quarter and is, probably the second favorite, I would say, to win this event.
0: I mean, for me, it's Moonars to lose, right? It's just like he has been so good here over the past, what, six months at the challenger level. Like, penciled him into the quarterfinals with Capriva. That's going to be a really fun match. Um, yeah, you were right. The draw is certainly stronger here. Milovic just won a title last week. Uh, Zoomhurst certainly has been a top 100 guy for so long. Uh, we all know it Yeah, exactly. We all know what he is capable of and just up and down the board. It should be a a really fun week of challenger action – Uh, but of course there's also tons of ATP action, WTA action happening. We still have Miami, uh, the back half of Miami. And then next week we go where to Charleston, I believe for the women, not sure where the men are going, but certainly they're going somewhere. Uh, so (laughs) we will be on the lookout for that. I also know David, and I hate to spring this on you like that, but we're at the end of March. Can I count on you for another all-star column for us here at Crack Rackets this month?
1: Yes. Um, going out of town this weekend but maybe before or after yes
0: beautiful i just wanted to throw it out there because i know a lot of our readers are listening later on anyway Um, yeah i know our readers our listeners always enjoy that piece so we'll talk about those all-stars next week as we reflect on that and these two events here in spain but with that in mind again i want to give you the chance any final thoughts on the past week of action this week's action anything's miami and then of course as always let our listeners know where they can find all of your work
1: Yes. So, um, I normally on a hard court without the big three there, I would say that Medvedev would be the favorite, but I'm not liking you know, he's looking physically. I'm not sure if he's going to lose against RBA or if it's going to be later on, but I would not say he's the overwhelming favorite that I would typically say he would be at this point. Um, right. I would say it's nice to see Bianca and fight back so well. Um, I think she has such a fun player to watch. Uh, so much variety. You never know what's coming next with her. Serimas Tormo actually just took her to her third set. But even just beating Muka uh in a really high-quality match was great to see, and she is going to be – I expect her to win more majors in the future for sure. Um, and, yeah, good for Maria Sakari for beating Osaka today. It's, I actually think that sometimes it's harder when you have that bagel to start uh, 6-0 as opposed to like the 6-1 because it puts more pressure on your shoulders, especially when uh, Osaka went up 3-0 and 4-1 up in the second set. But Sakari is physically so fit. Um, for her, for her, like the Miami conditions don't seem to be bothering her at all.
0: No, yeah. I, I would echo all of those sentiments. I would give you... An extensive response, but I just looked on Twitter. Siris Rebus Tornrow takes the second set 6-3 over Andrescu. I can't let you not Watch that full third set given our conversation on her. But as always, David, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Sincerely, I know our listeners always enjoy these podcasts. So, you know, you have an open seat on the show whenever you'd like. Enjoy your weekend trip. Yeah. And I'm, you know, again, go blue. Hopefully this hour was cathartic. Hopefully your spirits are feeling raised now.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about the game uh, for the for the uh, hour or so that we didn't talk about it. But that, that, thanks, for, thanks for reminding me because yeah, now i back on my mind. Uh,
0: Good. We're full circle. But, uh, well, Zion's going to dunk on someone tonight, and it's going to break their spirit, and you're going to be fine. Tomorrow fired. night, yes. Tomorrow night. Yes, exactly. So we can look forward to that. But David Gertler, thank you as always. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks.
0: hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with david gertler a thank you to him for taking the time to chat i apologize for reminding him and regaling all of you with michigan basketball talk sometimes it slips out and i can't help myself but obviously again if we were able to provide any therapy for david any fellow michigan fans out there or in general if you are a fan of challenger tennis no one follows it closer than david so always appreciate him taking the time hopefully all of you listeners enjoyed today's podcast of course if you've missed any of the action in Miami. Tune into our mini break feed where we have recapped every day of the action. We've got some really fun cast uh, podcasts planned for the home stretch. So if you haven't, you can go tune in and of course like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, that show, our Cracked Interviews podcast and all the things we're doing here at Cracked Rackets. You can find all of our content by tuning into our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShot.com. Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Legner Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turnagrip. Remember to contact them. Email sales at sports.com or call 800 554 3707 and let them know that your friends at Crack racket sent you. But with that in mind, For my wonderful guests, David Gertler, our super producers, Flieger and Westoff, our friends at Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.